Euro 2020-21 on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, simulcasting on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is presented by Winbet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is a straightforward way to take care of your erectile dysfunction. Just go to getroman.com slash SGP to get $15 off your first month of treatment. That's getroman.com slash SGP. Also brought to you by PropSwap. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com and the promo code SGP. Finally, we're also brought to you by the SGPN app. Our app is now live in the App Store and the Google Play Store. The SGPN app gives you easy access to our picks, podcasts, and it's the exclusive place to enter all our contests, including our $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store today. This is your Euro 2020 Group D preview here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast on Twitter at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. We are simulcasting on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP. Network. Also, check out my website, lockbetting.com. I've delivered my clients 96 months in a row of transparent track profit. You can see all of the PL sheets over at lockbetting.com as we go for our 97th month here. Had a very, very good start to the NBA playoffs this month. Had a good start to MLB. We also give NHL picks. We also give soccer picks. We also give tennis picks. We have two Grand Slams this month. We're in the second week of the French Open. We have Wimbledon coming at the end of the month. And soccer speaks for itself because we have Euro 20. 2021 and the Copa America as well. And we are here today to talk about Group D of Euro 2020, which is England's group. This is the main group that will be interested here in England. And England are the outright favourites to win it. England are available currently at one to two. It's three to one on Croatia, who knocked England out of the last World Cup at the semi final stage. It's 10 to one on the Czech Republic. And it is 12 to 1 on England's neighbours, Scotland. England are available at 1 to 33 to qualify from this group. It's 1 to 4 on the Croats. It's even money on the Czech Republic. And it's 6 to 5 on Scotland. The Croats are 6 to 4 to be the runners up here. It's 3 to 1 on England, 10 to 3 on the Czech Republic, and 7 to 2 on Scotland. Last place finish, she's Scotland are the favourites here, rightfully so, at 11 to 10, with the Czechs at 6 to 4, 9 to 2 on the Croats, and 20 to 1 here on England. 
the straight forecast market, which you, which sees uh, England first, Croatia second at thirteen to eight, England first, Czech Republic second at four to one, Croatia first, England second at nine to two, England first, Scotland second at nine to two, Czech Republic first, and England second at fourteen to one, and anything else is bigger than 20 to 1. The dual forecast market sees Croatia England in any order at 10 to 11. Czech Republic England any order 10 to 3. England Scotland any order 7 to 2. Croatia Czech Republic any order 14 to 1. Croatia Scotland any order 16 to 1 and Czech Republic Scotland any order 33 to 1. The exact finish market sees England first, Croatia second, Czech Republic third, Scotland fourth 7 to 2. And then you have England first, Croatia second, Scotland third, Czech Republic fourth, four to one. Then England first, Czech Republic second, Croatia third, Scotland bottom at 13 to two. With England first, Scotland second, Croatia third, Czech Republic bottom at 15 to two. Croatia first, England second, Czech Republic third and Scotland bottom at nine to one. Croatia first, England second, Scotland third, Czech Republic bottom also at nine to one. And everything else is bigger than 14 to one here in this group. So England are the favourites here to win this group. And uh, that may confuse some people as to why. The simple answer is twofold. They have a lot of quality players. A lot of these players play for top clubs in the Premier League. We saw the Premier League dominating the European competitions this season. And, of course, they have that home advantage. Three games at Wembley in the group stage. A potential game at Wembley in the last 16 if they win this group. Although it will be against the team in Group F, which is the group of death. We're talking about that in a couple of days' time. And then they go away for a game in the quarterfinals, but then come back to Wembley for the semis. And then they have the home advantage in the final as well, as the final will be played at Wembley Stadium. And that is why England are the favourites here. It's essentially like being the number one seed in the NFL, except the Super Bowl is also at your home ground. That is the situation that England have. They've never had a better chance to win this major tournament. So why do I think they definitely won't? Well, there are a number of problems here with England. They have a lot of flair players. Yeah, sure. They have Jack Grealish. They have Phil Foden. They have Marcus Rashford. They have Raheem Sterling. And they have Harry Kane, who could arguably arguably be described as as the number one goal-scoring centre-forward in the world. The problem, though, comes at the back. It's just one of many problems, but for me, the main problem comes at the back. Harry Maguire is out injured, and the fact that Harry Maguire has become so important for England and Manchester United proves that neither of those teams were that defensively competent anyway. And England, without Harry Maguire, there are massive question marks over them. John Stones has had one good season for Man City, and he's played himself back into the England team. Prior to that, he wasn't making in England squads. After you take uh, Stones and Maguire out of the picture, you're then looking at Tyrone Mings, who is a mistake waiting to happen. And then Connor Cody has somehow got into the squad, despite the fact that Wolves just had a disgusting season. So that kind of tells you about the centre-back pairings for England. And without Harry Maguire there... This manager is thinking about playing three centre-backs across the back to give their goalkeeper more protection. And the goalkeeper is one of the biggest clowns in this whole tournament. I'm talking about Jordan Pickford. Dean Henderson isn't ready to take the shirt and Nick Pope unfortunately got injured. So we have a very weak trio of goalkeepers. I do think Henderson is good. I do think Henderson will be England's number one and Manchester United's number one eventually. But that time isn't now and it isn't for this tournament. We are going to be going with Pickford and that concerns me because we have mistakes 
mistakes coming out of our ears from our centre-backs and we have major mistakes likely to come through from our goalkeeper and a weak manager as well and his weaknesses will be exploited here I think in his tournament and we'll talk about more of those in a second so this back line is very weak sorry they don't really have much protection either they do have Declan Rice and they do have, do have Jude Bellingham these are going to be great players by the time the next World Cup comes along or by the time the next Euros come along they're going to be even better but at the moment Jude Bellingham is a kid and Declan Rice can't do everything else by himself and we are forcing a crippled Jordan Henderson to come back early here this is the same idiot that came on as a substitute and his ego decided that he was going to take a penalty because he's got 50 caps for England and hasn't scored a single game and ruined our lock handicap bet last week because he can't kick a football that's Jordan Henderson that's a player that we're relying on to get fit and to somehow come back into this team that's how weak our defensive midfielders are in this team I have no problems with what sits in front of that Mason Mount will sit in front of these two central defense of these two central defensive midfielders and then we have an embarrassment of riches up top unfortunately because of the incompetence of this manager we don't know who we're actually going to be playing there whereas other international managers they all know who their teams are I was stunned I was stunned when I saw France put out their full team for their first friendly in this um in this preparation in these two preparation games and then they made one change and put out the same lineup minus one change for the next game because they are really really homing in on exactly who they want to play and they want these players to familiarize themselves with each other that's why for me they are the favorites to win this competition and not England what did Gareth Southgate do what Gareth Southgate did instead is that he picked a 33-man squad, narrowed it down to 26, but because Chelsea and Manchester City were in the Champions League final, he didn't play any of these players, and instead of playing the other players, he gave game time to players who are leaving the squad this week. So you saw the likes of Jesse Lingard playing for England when they have no place in, in, in the squad. So that was absolutely ridiculous. So at not one point did we play our proper team. And at not one point did we test out the alternative formation for if Harry Maguire doesn't make the first game. This England team could go at three at the back, but yet we've played two friendlies and we haven't played three at the back either. We also looked disjointed and a little bit tired and won both of those games by a goal to nil. We should have won by more in the in the last game, but we've got a moron in our team called Jordan Henderson who decided to take a penalty. So that was a big problem. And the fact is that Gareth Southgate's management is so weak that... Jordan Henderson wasn't supposed to take that penalty and he still took it anyway and Gareth Southgate came out afterwards and spoke about how the designated taker without uh, Rashford on a pitch was supposed to be Calvert-Lewin. So why didn't Calvert-Lewin take the penalty and why was Jordan Henderson allowed to take the ball? This is because Gareth Southgate isn't a strong enough manager to make that decision or for them or to put down any ramifications on his players. Now, Gareth Southgate is held in quite high esteem because he did get England to a World Cup semi-final four years ago. I'm sorry, that's not four years ago. It's three years ago. Three years ago. But have a look at England's running during that World Cup. Can anybody seriously look at England's path to the World Cup semi-finals in 2018 in Russia and say that England played in a single game that you expected them to lose. England won every game that they were expected to win. England were a favourite for every game that they won. Every time England came up against Belgium in the competition, which was twice, they played them in the group stages and in the third place playoff, they lost. And when England played up against Croatia, the midfield of Croatia came back from 1-0 down, dominated the ball, dominated the possession and managed to take um, managed to take advantage of England's inexperience and win that game by two goals to one and knock us out of the competition. So that was down to Gareth Southgate and the players not being able to manage that situation and being outdone by the experience of Croatia. Would it have mattered? No, because the real World Cup final in Russia 
was France versus Belgium, which was the semi-final match. And either one of those teams would have beaten either one of the winner of Croatia and England. But hell, it's nice to get to a World Cup final and Southgate didn't get us there. Instead, he lost three games in a single tournament and only beat teams that he was a favourite to beat. So it's a very, very much overhyped semi-final. Although it was nice to get there and nobody picked England to get to the semi-final at the beginning of the tournament, it was an easy route. It's comparable to the easy route that Holland have into the semi-final of this tournament if the group stages play out exactly as I expect. And then um, all the all this last 16 draw is exactly as I expect on paper. Holland will have an easy path to the semi-final and it will not be a monumental achievement for Frank de Boer to get there and that's what it wasn't for England either back in 2018 when England got down to the Nations League they got to the semi-finals there they were beaten 3-1 in the Nations League semi-final by a Holland team that outplayed them so there are signs there that England are there for the taking and I very much feel if we do win this group and we should win this group and we go through and play the likes of Germany Portugal or France they will beat England and this will be a very underwhelming result with England being eliminated on their own turf in the last 16 stage of of this tournament. So what are the other problems here with the team other than the fact we don't know the team? Well, let's talk a little bit about not knowing the team because there are markets available here. There are mar- I was about to come off this subject, but let's stay on for a second. There are markets available here where you can pick the England team. Now, it would be reasonable for the market to begin around about six to four plus 150 if you're trying to guess one or two players maybe two to one maybe three to one at best we should have a very good idea of the team give or take one or two people and this market should begin around about three to one where that should be the 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 shortest price the shortest price in this market for england is 14 to one plus 1400 on gareth southgate's starting lineup Most people on the street would find it difficult to 100% name six players that are going to start for this team at the start of this tournament. That is absolutely ridiculous and that is the big problem. We don't know if we're going to stay faithful to Sterling and Rashford and go with the pace up front or whether we are going to reward Foden and Grealish for the unbelievable seasons that they've had or whether we're going to play one of Rashford and Sterling and one of the other. We don't know. We don't know if we're going to play Mason Mount with uh, with just Declan Rice and go with a back five and play f- and play wing backs out wide with three centre backs and two wing backs with two midfielders in the middle with three up top. We don't know if we're going to go with that or whether we're going to go four three three and just rely on somebody to step into Harry Maguire's shoes, not offer ex- extra protection, going with two holding midfielders, which are likely to be um, Henderson, unfortunately, along with Declan Rice, and then put Mason Mount in front of them with the other three up top. If Henderson doesn't make it, they're probably going to be conservative and go with Calvin Phillips instead of taking a punt on Jude Bellingham. So there isn't too much depth here in this squad in certain positions. There's a ton of depth if you're talking about England's fullbacks and there's a ton of depth if you're talking about creative players and wingers, but there isn't too much depth in key positions down the spine of the team. And the spine of the team is where a team can get exposed. Just ask Pep Guardiola, who decided to play no holding midfielders in the Champions League final and got exposed by a 40-yard ball right down the middle and single-handedly was responsible for losing his team to Champions League because of his idiotic overthinking. And that could be the Achilles heel here of England. Looking at the other problems that I was going to mention, there's a load of them. We've got problems here with the whole Black Lives Matter anti-racism issues. We've got problems with the tickets for the stadium. I'll begin with the tickets for the stadium. We sold 80,000 tickets to our games and then and then supporters were told via a random ballot that they had lost their tickets. Now, this wasn't a random ballot by any stretch of the imagination because I had 12 tickets and lost every single one. I had 12 tickets 
tickets to three games and lost every single ticket. Tell me what's random about that. To rub salt in the wound even more, they then started to sell hospitality tickets for £2,000 each, coming with some prawn sandwiches and some canopies and sitting in a little box with a bunch of toffs who like prawn sandwiches and canopies. So for me, that is a problem in itself. In addition to that, we've had the random announcement today that um, you cannot get into the ground without two COVID tests and a, a COVID test certificate or a negative COVID test within two days of um, within two days of the game. Now, this was just announced today and uh, people have already got their tickets. This has not been met with much enthusiasm. We then have all the bullshit with Black Lives Matters. These players, despite booing from the fans for, for, for good reasons, because they don't really believe in this protest and this protest isn't really working. Instead, it's doing the opposite and dividing people. These players are stubbornly continuing to take the knee and instead of concentrating on his team and actually making the right team selection and doing the right thing for the friendlies, Gareth Southgate is out there putting out nine page statements to the supporters about why these players are going to continue to pointlessly take the knee. And this is being met by boos by half the stadium, but it's only half the stadium because the other half of the stadium don't boo and they are being appalled by the fact that the other half are booing. So the fans are divided as well. To add to that, kick it out have come out and released a statement and have encouraged the other half of the people that don't boo to chant kick it out over the booing. Yeah, because that's not going to sound even more ridiculous and cause even more tension in the crowd between our own supporters and more tension between the supporters and the players who they're supposed to be supporting because having five games at Wembley is supposed to be a home advantage. These are the problems with England and this is why I don't see him as a favourite here to win this competition. Moving on with the rest of the group, the main challenges to England here and if they can win this group and England finish second, they'll be doing England a favour because if England can finish second in the group, they'll play another runner-up from another group. They'll be on a completely different part of this competition and it will improve England's chances to get to the quarterfinals. So if Croatia can do England that favour, then England can have a better chance of progressing in this tournament and Croatia can take the difficult tie against either France, Portugal or Germany. Uh, despite entering this tournament as the World Cup runner-up, they are the second favourites here in Group D. They play the favourites England in the opening fixture that we just mentioned and it would hardly be a disaster here for either team if they had a draw. Southgate actually infamously played a second string uh, starting 11 in England's 2018 World Cup group game against Belgium to engineer a more straightforward route to the final. So he's known for, for looking at this draw and trying to engineer an easier route. So perhaps a couple of draws here for England won't be the worst case. And if anybody then is going to capitalise that or, or be the victims of that, depending on what way you look at it, it would be the Croats. Uh, they're far more likely here to take advantage of that than the Czech Republic or the Scots. And it's worth having a little sprinkle of them on them here if Gareth Southgate does take the mentality here that um, he doesn't want to win this group. The problem here with Croatia this year compared to when they were the World Cup runners-up is that they don't really have an out-and-out -out goal scorer. There are plenty of well-known names who you could consider to be Croatia's goal scorer, but no one scored more times for the Croats this season than Josip Brekalo, who's probably someone you've not heard of. The winger has netted four goals for his country and seven times from 3.65 expected goals for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. And he only started 21 games in German top flight too. So that's the kind of player they'll be relying on. Obviously, they've still got the old guard there. They've got Perisic and Rakitic and, and Luka Modric. So they're still going to have quality players here in midfield. 
But since the retirement of Mandzukic, they are lacking that out-and-out goal scorer here. So I think that's going to be their main difficulty. I mean, they're also not as solid in defence as they should be. Only 25% clean sheets in their group, but it wasn't the easiest group. They did end up winning it, but they were in a group with Slovakia and Hungary and Wales as well. So that wasn't the easiest group. A lot have been made of um, Croatia declining, but I think they'll be good enough here to, to come to Wembley and give England a difficult first game, especially since England's first team is, is not tried and tested. So I think that will be a difficult game for England where a point, as I said, won't be a disaster for either team. And then it could be a case of seeing who does better in the other two games against Czech Republic and Scotland. And it's a very, very odd group, as I reiterate. Second place may be better than winning this group and going up against that second place team in Group F, the group of death. Whereas if you end up finishing second in this group, you can go and play another runner-up elsewhere. The runner-up that you would most likely play would be either Sweden or Poland. You would have to go away to Copenhagen to play that game, but that I think would represent a better opportunity for both of these teams to go through. So this is a very, very odd and interesting group because of that reason, because that is the conundrum. England win the group. They play at Wembley for three games in this group. They stay at Wembley for the last 16. They then go to the quarterfinals where they are likely to play against Spain. And then they go to a semi-final back at Wembley and a final at Wembley. But if they want to get past the last 16, they have to beat either Germany, Portugal or France. But if they come second in this group, they go away to Copenhagen and they probably will have to beat one of Sweden or Poland, giving them a much easier route to, pro to progress here in this competition. And that's going to make it very strange, especially when you have a manager who deliberately picked the team against Belgium that weren't going to win that game to get himself into the easier group. So I, I think I like that about Southgate. I've been quite critical of him, but I had no issue with what he did. The only issue I had is how much England were applauded for for reaching that World Cup semi-final when actually Croatia were there for the taking. England were 1-0 up and didn't have the tactical nous or the managerial nous to sit on that lead and they should have been playing in a World Cup final because they were also the favourites to beat Croatia too. So that was actually an England team that were that were upset in a World Cup semi-final and lost the game they shouldn't have lost and that's why they didn't play in a World Cup final. I have no problem with him tactically plotting the route and getting himself into the easier half of the door to make sure that England played easier teams to make sure that they progress farther in the tournament. No issues with that at all and no issues if he does it again. I don't think it's essential to, to play all of your games at Wembley. There will be that, that ethos where people turn around and say, oh, well, you know, you have to beat everybody in, in, any, in, in a tournament to win a tournament. You have to play everybody at some point. Well, that's not technically true because some people could be playing difficult games throughout the competition and you could have four or five cruises and be able to rest your players and they'll be far more well positioned to win these difficult games games as and when they come rather than having a difficult route all the way. So that statement's not true, much like when managers come on and say, we're going to give it 110%. All these bullshit sporting cliches that you hear in interview aren't necessarily true because England know that finishing second place in this group will give them an easier matchup. No doubt if Spain win that group that they're in and Poland or Sweden finishes the runners up, then that will be the team that both England and Croatia want to play. So it'll be fascinating to see how this group plays out because of that reason. What's coming up from behind these two is there really any threat to England and Croatia not winning this group I don't think so I think in Scotland and Czech Republic you have two teams that are just happy to be there I think the Czechs will be looking 
to win that opening game against Scotland. I think they'll be expecting to win that and that will put them in good stead to possibly finish third in this group. But Scotland too will be looking at the Czechs and trying to make take advantage of that home advantage because England and Scotland are the two designated home teams in this group. This, this group will all be played out in Glasgow and at Wembley with England having three home games and Scotland having two home games and having to travel to Wembley for the England-Scotland match, which is going to be fascinating here and uh, definitely a game that England will want to win for the bragging rights and England should beat Scotland nine times out of ten. But there is an opportunity here for both of these two teams to come third if they can beat each other and that will all be down to the, the opening game. I think if that game ends up being a draw, then I think you can write off both uh, Scotland and Czech Republic as being one of the third place qualifiers because two of the groups in this competition are not going to offer a third place qualifier because four groups will see the third place team qualify and two groups won't. And I think if you're looking at the teams in third and fourth playing out a draw, which could potentially happen in the game between Scotland and the Czech Republic, then that's going to be very, very bad for the teams and um, you will see them being eliminated here. But from, from Czech's perspective... I think that they will be able to win that first game and that will put a little bit of pressure on England and Croatia to beat the Czechs. Um, I've been impressed with their consistent improvement over the past few years. They're actually here at 5-1 to one to lose all three of their group games, the first of which is against Scotland and Glasgow, in where they are the 6-4 the to four favourites with Scotland as the 2-1 to one outsiders. One win is going to be like, is going to be probably good enough to secure one of the third place passages. So when you're looking at the Czech Republic here at even money to, to qualify here from this group, and you're looking at them here as the 6-4 to favourites to win that game against Scotland, you may as well check the Czech Republic here on the money line because I don't see them qualifying from this group unless they win that Scotland game. And it's exactly the same for Scotland. So have a look at these scenarios. Don't just jump on a price and look at a market. Break it down and see what the probability is of, of how things are going to play out. And if you can get a better price here, what's the realistic chances of the Czech Republic qualifying from this group in third place if they have no wins. And if they are going to get a win, are they going to beat Croatia in Glasgow? Are they going to go to Wembley Stadium and beat England? No, they're not. If they're going to have any chance here, they're going to have to win that first game away to Scotland. So make sure you look at all of that stuff and um, and make sure that you place the right bets. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to guide you in, in the right direction. And uh, with, with this group, it, it's quite difficult to cap because you just don't know what mentality England are going to take with that, with that second place spot being far more appealing here for both England and Croatia. Um, it's very difficult to know how to approach it. One thing I think I'm certain about is that England and Croatia will be the two teams that advance from this group in the top two places. So that dual forecast price of 10 to 11 on England Croatia to be the top two in any order. I'm definitely interested in that. Looking at Indian, England individually, with Gareth Southgate not knowing his full team, you could see certain games where he goes with Rashford and Sterling or he goes with Rashford and Foden or he could go with Grealish and Sterling or, or or any kind of combination with those two players out wide next to Harry Kane. I think Mason Mount is the player that will certainly play behind him throughout most of this tournament but Mason Mount doesn't have a plethora of England goals. So to see Harry Kane marked up at 5-1 to one to be the top goal scorer in this tournament is a little bit ridiculous to me but it does go hand in hand with England being a favourite. But to see Harry Kane as the as the player to be the favourite to be England's top goal scorer and with the bookies offering even money, that too is ridiculous to me, but for a completely different reason. I think there's amazing value in Harry Kane 
being the top goal scorer for England. I don't see the goals coming from loads of other places here in this team. Um, yes, we could see a goal scored by a defender. We could see a set piece scored by by one of our free kick takers, perhaps. Um, we, we can see a goal maybe from Rashford, from Gielish, Foden, whatever. Everybody here is capable of scoring. This is a very, very attacking England team. I mean, in the last World Cup, a semi-final goal was scored by Kieran Trippier from a free kick. So there is goals all over this team. But at the end of the day, Harry Kane, whatever way you slice it, unless he gets injured, is going to score most of them. So... Him being at even money to be England's top goal scorer does represent tremendous value. That's why this lock on this show is, is particularly difficult because I am torn between taking Kane to be the top goal scorer for England along with um, the dual forecast. I'm going to lean towards the dual forecast here. There isn't a scenario for me where England and Croatia are not the top two teams here in this group in some sort of order. One thing it's worth noting, England's clash with a Group F opponent does seem inevitable here in this tournament. So it could happen at Wembley in the last 16. And if they do take that easier route and they do go to Copenhagen for that quarterfinal, uh, for that last 16 game and get themselves into the quarterfinal, then their quarterfinal will likely be against the winner of Match 41. And in Match 41 will be the winner of Group F. So inevitably, England in order to win this tournament and to go further in this tournament, they are going to have to come head-to-head -head with a team from Group F. So it's an interesting decision. Last time, I think the route for Gareth Southgate was a lot, lot clearer in terms of um, getting into that side of the draw and having a very, very clear route and avoiding the likes of France and Belgium on that side of the draw and Argentina as well, if I remember rightly. And on this occasion, it doesn't look like that at all. It looks like, yes, you can avoid them for one game, but inevitably, you are coming up against Group F. So whether you take that game at Wembley Stadium in the last 16 or whether you take it in the quarterfinals in St. Petersburg, England's fate seems inevitable. And for me, I don't think this team are going to get any further than a quarterfinal here. So I think they will end up exiting either at the last 16 stage or the quarterfinal. And um, as, I, as I reiterate here on the show, they are not a worthy favourite for me. So I will be looking outside of England. But... They're my two real strong plays here with uh, with Harry Kane and your lock here for England and Croatia on the dual forecast. That is it for Group D. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts so far. We'll be back with Group E tomorrow when we look at Spain's group and then the group of death on Friday. But until then, good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.